Hi, I'm George Strayton, screenwriter of Hercules and Xena Warrior Princess, and you're listening to Genretainment. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Genretainment, right here on SciFiPulseRadio.com. We're your hosts, Mark. And Julie. And today we have a jam-packed science fiction episode as we speak with creators Gabe Michael and Ryan Holloway about their new original sci-fi YouTube channel, Forge Apollo. Plus, we also have a fun bonus interview with the stars of the new sci-fi series, Defiance, Grant Bowler, and Stephanie Leonidas. The Defiant Stars talk about their hit new series on sci-fi that is filled with alien races, alien languages, alien technology, and tons of action. Alien action. <clears throat> An alien action. Uh, that sounds dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not say it that way. <laughs> but first, Michael and Holloway tell us about their new online sci-fi anthology series and their ambitious plans for future episodes. Now that may or may not include goats. <laughs> That will make more sense after you listen to the interview. But before we start, we do want to point out that the music you just heard at the beginning of the show was a snippet from the theme song for our web series, Reality On Demand. It was a song composed and performed by our friend Tishon Hardy, and you can find our web series at realityondemandseries.com. Now, let's get started with our first interview with the creators of the new sci-fi-themed YouTube channel, Forge Apollo. Listening to Genretainment, and this is Marks and Julie. And today we're speaking to the creative team behind the new sci-fi YouTube channel Forge Apollo, which is a part of the Full Screen Network. Gabriel Michael and Ryan Holloway, welcome to the show. Hey guys, how you doing? Hi. Well, can you tell us or tell our listeners what they can expect from Forge Apollo? Yeah, we are. We just launched our new YouTube channel on um, March 14th, which happens to be Pi Day. That's great. For no other for no other reasons, but that we're just you know big big nerds like that. Um, and as you'll see in the first video that we put put out, we're trying to make a Twilight Zone esque channel where we do different stories from this alternate universe. Um, every other week. So uh, I think I believe it's every other Tuesday we we're putting out a, a different short film, completely different characters, completely different storyline than the, the previous one, but it all lives within the same alternate universe. And this year we're going to put out about 20 episodes from between now and uh, December. Oh, excellent. So it's sort of like a sci-fi version of what some people may know, like Black Box TV, that's more horror-oriented, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's if, if you yep. think of that, but we will do, you know, we're hoping to do anyway, a lot of crossover. So something that was true in one in one episode, you might see in the background of the next episode or, you know, 10 episodes down the line or, and, you know, 10 different stories down the line. So look, look for things to cross over and then look for concepts that we had in the in a previous video to be changed because of something new that happens. So. Cool. I always like that when they link it up. I remember Outer Limits used to uh, have mm-hmm. special episodes where they start they show how some of the the different episodes link up. Yeah, I loved cool. the Outter Limits. That was so great. <laughs> I know you don't, was, you don't have that in traditional TV right now. There's nothing no, like that. No, that was the greatest like late night TV ever. <laughs> also, you can expect all different types of like style. There's going to be you know like our first two videos. I don't know if you guys got to watch them. Anything from that to found footage to There'll be fun commercials that are from in the future, stuff like that. It's going to oh, be pretty, pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, so very. It's, you know, as, as filmmakers, it gives us a chance to play as well, um, as well as, you know, connecting with our audience and, you know, the 
making the type of stuff that we like to watch. How did the idea of making this anthology sci-fi channel come about and, and how did you decide to turn it into like a channel? I actually, I, I did produce for Epic Rap Battles right when I came out of graduate school at, uh, at UCLA. I was really there, I was really interested in digital media and you know, I, I, while I was there, I was producing, you know, some some PSAs and some other commercials and things like that, just to to pay my way through college. But I got really super interested in in the world there because I had a, a previous web series from years and years ago called The Big Time Show, which was this comedy show, and and so that that kind of kickstarted my interest in in the digital space. Uh, but you know, once I heard that Maker Studios was was hiring full time producers, like I have to get on board of this place. And luckily enough, I got connected through Mickey Meyer, who's who's now one of the the big guys over at the Jash Network right now. He's like, you know, these guys at Epic Rap Battles, who I happen to be a big fan of, were looking for a uh, producer to come on and and you know do some take off some of the load for them and really help them out. You know, it 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 just kind of came out of nowhere and I met with Lloyd and Pete and we seemed to connect right away you know I proofed for them for a little bit and before I went over uh to to break media to, to do a little more um commercial type stuff while I was at UCLA I actually met Ryan we were doing what was the scene Ryan it was uh, so, oh it was for these Italian filmmakers that were coming into town I was producing this this whole uh event where Italian filmmakers come in and learn from professors at UCLA and I needed some actors. And so, how did I find you, Ryan? Um, didn't that, that scene went on to win a couple of awards, didn't it? <laughs> yes. This is going to be good. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, it was from Sleepers, I think the scene was. And it, you just I was in the database from like a year ago, and you called me up. And I've always jumped at the chance to get out and, you know, work on stuff. That's how we met. We actually began planning this feature, which we're filming in May. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, so it's uh, it's the feature we, we like. We had the idea for. We we kind of sat down and, and talked together. And as we were coming up with this idea for this feature film, I was telling Ryan about the interest that I had, and you know all the work that I've been doing um, at various companies uh, throughout the web. And you know there we decided you know, like wouldn't it be cool to in order to create this universe that we want to create for the feature to also create something that we get away for free to, um, you know, fans of sci-fi and, and, you know, the people of, of the internet, I guess you would say. The and internet so, denizens, yes. That, that's right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we decided to create a, uh, this thing where we, where we could take the interest that we have, sci-fi films, and not necessarily have to stick with one storyline or one, or one concept and be able to go out there and play. And so we decided to do uh, both the feature and this YouTube channel uh, side by side. Now's the time where the TV and the internet are being able to cross over. And so the biggest thing is actually getting that fan base like you guys have um, at, at Sci-Fi Pulse and and with your personal stuff as well. Just garnering that the fan base and the, you know, the types of people that, that really gravitate towards your content, you can directly connect with these people, communicate with them. So I don't know if you guys have seen at the end of our videos, we're now asking, what do you want to see next? As like a sci-fi fan, send us an, an idea and we'll take that and run with it. And, and our, our third video that's coming out is actually from the idea of one of our YouTubers. They, they sent us an idea and, and you, you'll, you'll see once we put it up that, that it is all, you know, it was strictly origina originated from a fan. 
that's oh, neat. That's, neat. that's really what's cool about the universe we've created. You know, we, we've kind of set up this intro video where this little girl finds this this time capsule from another universe. But what's cool about that is there's really no limits to the stories we want to tell or any any type of limitations to where where we go next with it. So we we've kind of set up this great universe, but you know, we can kind of go any way we want with it, which is really, really fun. Well, I think, you know, what's kind of neat about it is having these different places to go on the internet just to find shows that you might like. It's sort of like we were talking a little before the interview. I said, you know, The Outer Limits, it was great. I love that. It was great night, late night television because sometimes you used to be able to turn on the TV and it would be like, you know, Outer Limits, X-Files, Nightmare Cafe, like just stuff playing late at night and it's like oh you feel like you found a gem you know and it was so much fun <laughs> and then to, start to watch. at 2 a.m yeah <laughs> oh yeah and and you know they played reruns of x files and stuff but nowadays you can't really get that from television because everything is so scheduled for the money and if they don't have something then it's an infomercial and and that's it and you can't really surf the tv anymore and find real gems that you weren't expecting to find so you know, now you can go to the internet for it. <laughs> exactly. Take it to the internet now. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I love it. It's, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're coming into a binge and an on-demand culture. I want to see this episode of X-Files. I'm going to go out and I'm going to find it. Yeah, whether that's yeah. through Roku, whether it's through, you know, uh, my Xbox or streaming service or <laughs> illegally online. Uh, <laughs> we, no one's ever heard of no that. No one does that. No one does that. <laughs> Yeah, you can. Oh. I, I don't know if anybody told you. You can download uh, movies online. Yeah. Huh. I'll, I'll send you a private link. Huh, yeah. <laughs> this is a new concept. We yes, and you know we've been on the internet for years, and this is this must be something First new. First, I've heard of it. <laughs> There's so much stuff out there. You'll, you sometimes you just miss it. Yeah. No, no. Gabe, Gabe hit the nail on the head with the media binging. You know, I, I mean, like when I watch something, I like to just binge on it completely, and to the point where I don't even want to watch it anymore. And then when I watch a series, it's all at once. And then that's that's what we want out of our series. <laughs> we want you to watch it so much that you don't want to watch it ever again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I watched it so much, I hate it. Good. <laughs> we accomplished what we set out for. I think. Exactly. <laughs> that reminds me, binge consuming of, uh, of shows yeah it reminds me there's been a, a controversy lately with web series creators about what would work best with audiences because like house of cards came out and they're just like 13 episodes bam all at know? once and so now everybody's going should we do that i don't know i mean obviously you guys are staggering them did you guys at one point wonder if you should just try to throw up 20 episodes or it's you hard know? to get that thing many things made though and well i know that's you didn't make it all in advance but Right. Actually, that was it was a very lengthy conversation that we had, and that was one of the reasons why we decided to not make every episode, to make every episode or every video independent of one another. So you're not waiting two weeks to turn it to tune into the next video, and you're and then if you happen to stumble upon a video, you're not in, find yourself in the middle of a series. Because what's cool about YouTube and and the internet space is that somebody could stumble upon your show and become a big fan. But what's also not cool, it's, which is, you know, goes back to TV, is you have less time to get somebody's attention. You have, you know, they, they don't even have to watch your video. They could be clicking on something else by the time your video even pops up. So how do you continually get somebody to watch your show, keep them interested, and, and keep them coming back? So we decided to do this, you know, independent short film every two weeks thing. First of all, in order to give us time to put out the shorts. Uh, but secondly... 
because with our feature film that we are doing, we actually have the possibility of rolling that whole thing out to our audience for free on our YouTube channel. And that would be something where we would want to put it all out at the same time. So as of now, our plan is doing a mixture of, of both the models. Uh, but, you know, that could change. Everything on the Internet changes hourly. So, you know, by the end of the interview, I'm going to give you a different answer. Yeah. <laughs> and also, also what's cool about that model, too, is it, it like Gabe, Gabe spoke about earlier, we can really bring our users' ideas to life, too, which how cool is that if you suggest an idea and you get to see it? Mm-hmm. See it actually come to life through a channel. Yeah, that's great. You can't get that inter- interactivity if you uh, have to wait another year to come out with the episodes. Yeah. yeah. You might forget that you commented on a video. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Some people comment on everything on the internet. <laughs> and it does seem like what you're doing here, all, anything that's standalone episodes seems to do way better on YouTube. Uh, I think the YouTube audience, uh, that's what works best for them obviously you would know better than i probably epic rap battles and everything else mm-hmm. so yeah ex- exactly or in my case that two minutes of goats yelling like humans is still the funniest thing i've ever seen on the internet <laughs> she, she's requesting talking goats on can we have Georgia yelling Apollo. or talking goats so funny enough that is actually our next script just oh, so you- oh, <laughs> you're a genius you're an- and when it does come out i will remind you that you said that. <laughs> You're a genius. We might add, we might add our own spin to it a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I'm I'm writing it down currently. <laughs> so uh, that brings up a, another good point with the interactivity. You're developing episodes based off of feedback from the audience. So how long does it take you to make these episodes? Well, we we decided our first, or I guess our second video, which was uh, called the Outliners. Uh, which is out, out now. Uh, that was our original, I, I guess it's our original production. You know, we came up with the entire concept of, of the show, but just to get more content out there so people can see like, you know, what we're capable of, what what our channel will look like. But typically we have, I'm looking at my schedule right now for the next month and we have our video that's coming out next Tuesday already done. It's in the can, ready to, to upload. And we're going to start shooting our next video um, next week, and that's going to go up on April 24th. So we have a very limited timeline. It's it's within a week or two of, of when we get the idea, come up with it, produce it, and upload it. So this is kind of, you know, we're, I feel like we're in full production mode now, and we're just uh, just going. Hustling. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds like it's pretty much a constant sprint. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll what- let you know when we run out of breath. <laughs> And what's uh, the length? Uh, we saw outliners earlier today uh, or yesterday. It was it was like three, four, four minutes or so. Something like yeah. Is that what you're aiming for around the four or five minute mark for each episode? You know, it's however long it takes to tell that story. Maybe that's a minute long. Maybe that's thirty seconds. Maybe it's ten minutes. So we're we're not trying to have a standard set. It's 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 really whatever it takes to tell that particular story. Good. I like that. And that's the freedom internet gives. You know, time slots like te- yeah. traditional television. Yeah, absolutely. Great scene. It has to be cut. We're three minutes over. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> hey, well, that'll be our video for next week. <laughs> <laughs> this is the scene that got cut. That's right. <laughs> okay, well, can you give us any teasers about the upcoming episodes besides talking goats? Besides goats, yes. <laughs> you know, we've had some some weird requests uh, through some people. <laughs> that have uh, done interviews with us thus far. You know, we've had Mind Control Pizza. 
Um, <laughs> my, <laughs> oh my yes, gosh. My father seems to call me every other day with a new idea. So we'll, uh, I told him, well, once he figures out YouTube and can leave a comment, then I'll, then I'll take one. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll still wait for, for, for that one to happen. Yes, but we do have a few that, a, a few comments and a few things from other sources that aren't necessarily on our, our uh, YouTube page, but are, have come from, you know, our Facebook page, Twitter, you know, talking to other people online. Ryan, do you do you want to give away the the next episode? <laughs> it, it's tough because the next one is kind of a one note thing, so we don't necessarily uh, give that. Uh, yeah. But it's uh, going to be cool. Yes, tune in. Does it have goats? No, <laughs> no, not not this episode. No, it actually has humans humans that make goat noises. Oh, good. <laughs> Interesting. I thought maybe it was going to go with rabbits. I didn't know. <laughs> That's right. So yes, that you know here one one thing we can give away, which is is in the works, is alcohol that makes you time travel, and not just into your bed at night. Actually, that's you time travel. Oh, um, nice. A huge event happens in Los Angeles that changes the course of the city, and no, it's not Disney cutting Lucasfilm. And uh, you know, a little hint at the feature is um, a computer virus that transfers from computer to humans. Sweet. Ah. So the feature you've been mentioning, so are you definitely going to air that on the YouTube channel then? Our plan is to go through traditional streaming with it, but we've been talking to uh, about other opportunities, business opportunities to to find a way to put it on our YouTube channel. So th- that, that, that answer is still kind of in limbo as of now, but you know, our, our hope is to be able to directly link to it from our YouTube channel back to whatever source the links run, whether that's Netflix, Hulu, or, you know, the thousand of other distribution outlets that are out there. I mean, that's about all I can give you right now is the computer virus that transfers computers to humans. That is interesting, though. That is. Yeah, it's 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 interesting hook, but the way that we're going to do it is 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 pretty interesting. It's 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 uh ryan do you have any insight on it i think you're doing a pretty good job right now i'll let you dance around this one (laughs) (laughs) he's like dance dance for us i'm gonna sit back and watch without without giving away too much so (laughs) we'll we'll leave it at the computer virus that that uh transfers from uh, from computers microsoft Uh, ebola (laughs) that's right (laughs) it's actually the title (laughs) i knew it (laughs) Yeah. You guys hacked our system. We know. <laughs> so, so Ryan, your background, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, is primarily acting. So, how did you go from acting to producing? Primarily acting, but be- before that, I was actually um, a business background. I was in private equity. Mm-hmm. So, I know I've always wanted to kind of connect, connect all of it together somehow. And uh, you know, when when me and Gabe started to work on this this feature, I just kind of have dove into the, the production thing with, with Gabe as, as a mentor in a lot of respects. Um, but we, we both have very complementary backgrounds as far as launching our company. So it, it's been, we've been um, helping each other along the way a lot. And I think that our, uh, our backgrounds, like I said, have been very complementary. So mm-hmm. it's been good. Yeah, it's, 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 it's you know, not, not only do, are we doing this original concept, but we also do uh, branded entertainment because that's kind of, you know, my, my background for, for the business. Uh, I did a lot of stuff at Break Media um, in that space. So we have other clients that we do work for as a traditional production company. 
Um, so Ryan's been really great with leading up and, and nurturing uh, those business relationships, uh, as well as being a major creative force and producing force for not only the feature, but for all of the sci-fi content. And he might be acting in a couple of these as well, because he has that background. Yeah, I was going to ask that, if, if you have uh, any acting roles with this coming up. Are you, are you going to act uh, at all in the feature? He, he plays a goat. Sweet! <laughs> okay, goat impersonation. <laughs> yes, yes, Ryan is uh, acting in, in the feature. Okay, great. Whether he likes it or not. <laughs> I like how Gabriel's like, yes, he is. Like, I'm not giving, you know, I put him on the spot and now he's, he's you know. Yeah, yeah Ryan, Ryan has a, a, a unique ability for his acting. It's, uh, it, you'll have to see when it comes, comes across screen, but uh, he just has like this, this natural presence that a lot of people take years and years to command and develop like on camera. Um, and, and Ryan is just just a natural at that. So I'm really I'm really excited when we film um, in the next, gosh, Ryan, what, two months we have to film this? I'm just happy we turned the cameras off because I'm blushing right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll pay uh, me later. Yeah, so can we have uh, a photo of him blushing that we can put yes. on the website? <laughs> <laughs> See if we can arrange that. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, you might, you might want to send it. You don't want me to send it up a, a doctored photo. <laughs> Oh man! He looks like a South Park character with red cheeks. So, <laughs> and you know what? I found myself in an interesting spot. People would think producing for the web is easier than producing for television or producing a, a feature film. Which, as you guys know, as producers, it's not true yeah. because you are you have to really stretch literally every dollar, every one dollar that that you have to not only make a something that is watchable, but something that. Um, could potentially hold up against you know these other productions that people are spending millions of dollars on. Um, so I found myself in an interesting spot, being you know somewhat well known as a producer online and having that specialty because it's it, it's a it's a mixture of of a couple different talents. It's you have to be your own line producer, uh, which is someone who basically controls the money can hire crew can do that uh, a creative producer and you know a lot of times director because you have to be the the one-man shop that has the creative force so when when ryan and i joined forces it was really great to have somebody who i got along with creatively but also uh, uh business-wise as well mm-hmm. yeah and that's actually something gabe does really well he takes sometimes these low budgets and makes them look like a million bucks i mean he does a fantastic job at at um, taking taking stuff that we might not have the most funding for and just making it look like we did. So it forces you to be more creative, which is usually a good thing. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. People talk about you know the differences in pay scale between you know people that work for you and and what you can get for a certain dollar amount. But what I found is there's talented people everywhere. Talented people in the union. Our DP who does all of our stuff, Alex Rodriguez, who's not the baseball player, uh, but we do call him, <laughs> we, we do call him a Rod. <laughs> he, you know, he's worked on a little bit of everything, big budget features, commercials, everything. But, you know, this is, he wants to make this content with us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, you find somebody who's invested not only in you, but in doing something that can, that lets them be as creative as possible. But they also have, you know, problems are with, with budget as always with limits. So he's been having a great time uh, figuring out, you know, what, what equipment we can buy with with our budgets, what you know, what we can rent. But 
all of this stuff is coming out uh, what I think absolutely wonderful and the images that he's getting you know with um, having limited resources are, are really something to uh, to marvel at mm -hmm. You know, and, and we're paying him in Star Trek novels right now, so. Oh, sweet. <laughs> well, that can add up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Star Trek There's novels. There's a lot of Star Trek novels. <laughs> uh, well, yes, most of them already, so we're just going out and getting them on. Oh, okay. So he had a good head start, at least. You just have to go back and. Fiction links. Oh, okay. I was going to say, hopefully you didn't have to go back and look for like a first edition from way back in the day, because that would start getting pretty pricey. Yeah, that would. Yeah. Now your show has, like most sci-fi shows, lots of visual effects. I was wondering how you guys uh, face those challenges with visual how effects. How do you do that? How do you do that? How's that? Is it magic? <laughs> we, have, we have this button that says effects on my desk, and I push it. and Whoa. Oh, is it, is it next to your easy button? It's right next to my easy button. Oh, good. <laughs> now we're doing product placement. Come yeah. on. <laughs> I, I know. Hey, we didn't mention the brand. <laughs> we did not. That's I was true. very careful yes. for <laughs> once. You don't have to edit that out. You have to call them and have them sponsor this, this episode. Sure. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> we have, uh, you know, be, being uh, working in the industry for so long and, and having a lot of talented people come across my desk and in the past has, has really gave me, given me a nice uh, Rolodex of, of people that love the type of content that we are planning to make. First of all, second of all, are very very talented, and thirdly, will want to take their their own time and make a lot of these uh, things happen because a lot of them in the professional world don't get a chance to. So we're not necessarily pulling pulling favors with people, but we are definitely stretching them beyond what they <laughs> what they are used to uh, with their budgets. Um, and I, I do some of the, the graphics myself, but not, if, if you see the first video, the historian, um, that was done by a longtime friend, uh, Richard Lee, who uh, is a filmmaker, um, a director himself, but has, has really took it upon himself to learn the graphics world because he is such a sci-fi uh, nut himself. So, you know, we're doing things like he'll edit and do a lot of the graphics for us. And, you know, we will get him back on, on other big branded things, or I will go like what I'm doing right now is I wish I could show you guys. Uh, but I've been doing manually rotoscoping in our next big effect on this one clip, which has taken me about four days to do frame by frame, but it looks really, really cool, I think. <laughs> so, I hope so. <laughs> Wouldn't you hate to get at the end of like two weeks working on and go, no, that sucks. This looks awful. terrible. This goat is... is <laughs> that goat doesn't sound like a human at all. Darn goat fur, so hard to rotoscope. <laughs> Who said to go to a planet full of goats? <laughs> but you know, it's it's... What's cool about we're in a very interesting time, not only in content distribution but in filmmaking as well. Is you can really get some high quality things um, if you just put your your own sweat into it and and you put a lot of time into it. So you know a lot of a lot of the graphics that that we do are labors of love, but also are have to do with the tools that we use, the programs that you know that that we have at, at our uh, at our fingertips, and. It, it, it's it's really interesting actually. I uh, I have a little brother who's 12 now, and he's really interested in, in um, filmmaking. And he has friends that 
are experts probably better than I am at After Effects. And it reminded me of when I started back in the day. You know, I would sit there and I, I, would, I was the only kid that, that had an, an editing bay because my dad owned a computer shop and I uh, was able to put together my own editing computer. And that's how I learned how to make movies was backwards from editing. Now, we have a whole new generation of filmmakers that are, that are coming that have learned graphics and these animation programs first. And because of that, they're learning filmmaking. So it's really interesting to see all these people that are, are coming out, whether it's on YouTube or, you know, just sitting at home making their own, their own videos. What is capable, what is acceptable of graphics nowadays, but what also, you know, the, the future of filmmaking will look like. Well, that is, that's true because, I mean, some kids, my gosh, nowadays they're, you know, Photoshopping before they can read. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. I great. mean, if, if, like if, if you're stuck with a computer problem, go find the nearest five-year-old kid if you can't get someone younger because they're probably going to fix it for you. <laughs> Our culture is weird and it's changing right now. It's you have a problem, you just type in the exact problem that you have and Somebody has done a tutorial on it somewhere on YouTube. I can almost yeah. guarantee it. I use a lot of resources from, um, and I'm sure you guys have heard of it too, videocopilot.net. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome tutorials, awesome resources. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't, I'm not a graphics expert at all, but I like to learn from people who are. And when I can afford to pay them what they deserve, I will hire them. Yeah. <laughs> but, but until then, we have to do a lot of it ourselves. It's exciting times because I, I would imagine that right now more people in the world are making films and web series than ever before. I would bet, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, it used to be an elite thing that only, like... Well, it was so cost prohibitive. I mean, you had to have a special camera and special film and get that special film developed in a special way. And, and you know, it was it was very difficult. Yeah, you think film is dead? <laughs> no, just most people can't afford to are, revive. Are you going to shoot Forge Apollo on film? <laughs> if you can afford it, that's great. Uh, yep, seventy millimeter. Back to Hitchcock days. I tell you what, I mean, you think about how much braver it was really to make things with film, though, because. You know, we're so spoiled. We're like watching everything on our screens and, oh, let's play that back and see how that looked. And, and uh, you know, you, you pretty much had to take it on faith that, yeah, we got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I remember uh, when I was in my undergrad at Cal State Long Beach, I was in the last class that had to shoot on film. We shot 16 millimeter film and that was it. Like you, you, you don't have a monitor. You have to think things through. So now it's we're in a culture of well let's let's try it let's let's see if we can do it. Um, it there's you know it's it's I don't think it's bad I just think it's it's different and the approach to film like films are now mostly made in the editing bay really and and now in After Effects they're you know put, really put together that way. Now does anybody like to mess with you like the way I love to torment our editor because he's an old friend of ours. If he's ever on set, I just say as many times as possible, that's okay, we'll fix it in post, just loud <laughs> enough for him to hear. Yes, he, he loves that. Really. <laughs> Every editor loves to hear that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's funny. It's like I mentioned our, our DP, um, Alex, and he, he hates to hear that because he's, like me, tries to be as much a perfectionist as possible. And so when I say, it's fine, we, we got it, he goes, no, 
I'm a cinematographer. We don't got it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? He's always right. And yeah. I, I, I'm, when I'm on set, I'm thinking of what we can get away with. And he's on set thinking of how to make it the best that we can. So, you know, I think that there's, there's a fine line in, in between there somewhere. It's the perfect marriage. <laughs> That's right, because right, we fight a lot. <laughs> well, what do you think the future of web series is going to be, especially for, for independent web series creators, you know? What shape do you think it's going to take? It's going to be branded? It's going to be all, you know, multi-network YouTube? It's going to go YouTube? away. People is aren't it's... really going to jump on this internet fad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just a fad, the internet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going back to um, strictly strictly radio. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a, we're gonna make teleplays. I just brought back out my VCR. Sweet. <laughs> we never put ours up. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I mean, I think the content's only gonna get better and better, and I think that you know the the audience is is only expanding. I mean, kids like the five year old you were talking about is gonna fix your computer. I mean, the chances are they're gonna be watching their media through the web, you know, when they want to watch it. And I think slowly going to completely take over. They say every year the, the budgets from TV advertisement and traditional advertisement are shrinking, but the digital budgets only grow by, you know, uh, 20%, 30% each year. Don't hold me to that number, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I do know that that number. Sounds has, good. Yes, it sounds good. I do know that number has been has been growing. So it seems that we're at this this spot where people are have realized the potential of the web. People are trying to make money on it. There are a few people that are, and I believe that the future um, lies in a hybrid approach of traditional models, these you know new web channel models with the pre-roll advertising, mid-roll mid and post-roll advertising. But also product integration. But the the biggest thing that you know, I if I was somebody who was came to me and said, I want to start my first web series, uh-huh. don't expect it to go viral. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't expect it. Don't just put it up there to and expect that you're gonna find your uh, an audience to find you. What you have to do now is you have to find that audience and connect with it. So. You know, both Ryan and I are avidly, as whenever we're not filming or editing, are online looking at, you know, looking at blogs, commenting, watching your guys' show. We like that. You should keep doing that. (laughs) Trying trying to participate in in this culture that we are also trying to be part of and create. Because what's happening now is it's an interactive world and you have to be able to tell that story in an interactive way which means collaborating with one another, but also having your audience have a say, but not doing exactly what they say. Knowing what they mean, but not doing what they say is, I guess, exactly what <laughs> I'm trying to say. So when I, when I figure it out, and I'm, uh, I will send you guys a car. And <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, we, we still are right on, on the cusp of that. And uh, I'm actually very excited that it's, it, it is the wild, wild west again. And I'm excited that people are starting to make money off it. But I'm excited that eyeballs are, that people are shifting their eyeballs to watch good content online. Yeah. 
Yeah. Said, you know, they don't teach you marketing in, in film school. At least they didn't when I was they in film should. school. But they really so, should because as independent creators, especially web series creators, you have to know marketing inside out, especially social I really media. think they need to teach you some practical things, whether it's um, like in film school for film production or as an actor. Because you'll have, you'll have actors who are really good and they get out of school and they're like, I have no idea how to get a job, how to get an agent. <laughs> and oh, yeah. they're not turning out people really prepared you know they're, they're turning out well-crafted people but unfortunately we are an industry yeah. and you know it's if everybody didn't get paid for their work and just got get paid for their uh you know for their interest and hobbies then that would be great but you're right in saying that schools across not only not only in the film industry but just i mean i think college in general or what you know trade schools whatever should teach you about the life after school yeah <laughs> and really like whatever your special specialized industry is is how to succeed and thrive in that industry and you should be doing classes from day one that teach you how to be your own entrepreneur because yeah. i really i and, and as you guys know it's you you do have to work for yourself always Mm -hmm. And I think the best way to learn, I mean, even with classes is, I mean, people just have to get out and do, you know, and that's the best way to learn anything is, is to get out and do. And I mean, the best advice you can give some of these kids is get a group of friends, get a camera, get out, make some things and put it on the Internet. Yeah. You have distribution now, which when, you know, even when I was in film school, people weren't putting high quality. You were putting a cat video or your goat video on, on YouTube. Woohoo! Yeah, <laughs> more of, which they need more of. Uh, but they, you know they they weren't putting out series like uh, like we have, and uh, you know people like you and you know epic rap battles of history is its its own phenomenon. The role of the filmmaker is now your your own producer, director, marketer, publicist. Although my wife might fight me on that one, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as well, and and you. And you so the role is changing. So what you have learned and you've studied in school is not what you need to succeed anymore. You need yeah. to be out there. So what Ryan is saying is getting out there and, and put it up and learn from, you know, the day that you release a video, the the method, like who you can reach out to, to, to promote your video or, you know, the more friends that you make online, the more likely that they're going to share, share your video to their audience. And, you know, if you guys... You, you know, you do a crossover video between other YouTubers or even, you know, a whole other series, you can drive traffic between them. So the methods that were there traditionally for, for TV especially have now, they are still there, but the delivery of that method is, is completely different. Yeah. Yep. Everything's changing. <laughs> it is. Well, I would definitely like to see more of a distinction in people's minds and between, you know, the funny cute YouTube videos and actual scripted independent television. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that's what everybody thinks of when they, you hear YouTube. Yeah. Or what the general person does. Um, that's right. That's why I've been trying to, I've been saying, I'm not making a web, we're not making a web series, we're making a digital series. Because I we, we, I think we need, you know, as a digital community, we need to make a stand and say, because when you say I'm making a web series, that to me, that means that you are going to just go out there and, and do something fun with your friends and put it up on YouTube. But when you're saying you're making a digital series, you are making, you're making something that isn't, is within a new industry, but you're defining your, uh, your product as something that's a little more, premium uh, content kind of like, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it's, it's a little, little more premium than just your, than just your cat video. Because yeah. I, I think the distinction of web, 
web series makes people think of your your traditional cat videos. So let's change that. Let's let's make it where people see it just as as a you know yeah just seen as a TV show. Yeah, because we've heard uh, you know web series, digital series, independent television. Of course, H plus used the term digital series. Yeah, and independent television, all that, and it'll be interesting to kind of see where the chips fall years from now. Yeah. What starts what, start, what starts to be kind of what people use because right now it's the idea is the same. But, yeah. But everybody's kind of having all these in, these ideas independently, and it's not like it's going to become one area. an I series. Somehow Apple's going to get get. The oh brand. no! <laughs> <laughs> hey, they already took away our Final Cut Pro. They 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 don't need to take away anything else. <laughs> Everything on the web will be sponsored yes. by Apple. <laughs> it's oh, like that goodness. epic rap battle thing where uh, after uh, Steve Jobs, Jobs and, died, yeah, <laughs> you know, I got my favorite epic rap battles. I think were probably the the least politically correct because it, it was the Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, the Einstein, and Stephen Hawking. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh no, I did like the Captain Kirk versus uh, <laughs> at Columbus, and I, Kirk's awkward phrasing just won. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those those guys those guys are great uh I, you know that those were all made when i was both before and after um i already left epic rap battles but i i do have to say the steve the the steve jobs one is and the bill gates one is one of my absolute favorites yeah, before we <laughs> they did a really 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 good job yeah before we start watching i said i don't know if this is going to be funny anymore because i didn't know if it was made before or after he died and i was like i don't know and then i watched i was like oh my god <laughs> I can't believe yeah. I'm laughing at this. <laughs> I, and you know, it's I, I believe we were talking about doing that one for a long time, but uh, what both Pete and Lloyd do really well is their release with the timing of it. Yeah, so they, yeah. you know, like they just did one with Key and Peele as Gandhi versus Martin Luther King. And that, that one just, uh, I was, it blew my socks off. I thought that one was, was, was super funny, but they are, they are really good. Not only with their, the way that they write their their rap battles, their you know their their acting in the videos, the the graphics behind it, but also in in their release. And they've been releasing them, I think, every other week now. This this whole year, they've been putting out a lot more. Yeah, there's than, a lot of them. Yeah, so the, I know those guys have been working their working their butts off, and uh, you know I stay in, I stay in pretty good contact with Lloyd and a couple other people over there. And those guys are just you know it's it's really cool. They're they're having they're having a great time doing their show. And obviously, the internet loves them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, we're talking about uh, laughter. Let's talk about laughter on Forge Apollo. We've always realized what well, we find when we, we do you know film working that there's always something funny happens. Usually, something un unexpected, unexpected or embarrassing. Yeah. Um, you know, can you think of anything like that that's happened so far making Forge on Apollo? On set, yeah. Happen on. Okay. Well. In the video that we just filmed, the uh, the outliners, or the video that just released, the outliners, I had our produce one of our producers, David Weist, who's a longtime buddy of mine. Uh, is actually my best man at my wedding. He had an idea. He's like, "Look, guys, we I found this really cool tree. It's called the Wisdom Tree, and uh, I think this would be a great place to film this thing. It overlooks like all of L.A., all of the Valley. It's like right there, right behind the Hollywood sign." And I was like, "Cool, let's go on a location scout." So, so we go and he's like, yeah, it's just, it's just a small half, you know, half a mile hike. And I'm like, okay, I, you know, I, I do 17 mile hikes from time to time. So it, half a mile was seemed pretty, pretty easy to me. 
we get to the foot of the mountain and it is straight up <laughs> on the tiniest little path that you can find. And, you know, we, it was the, the one day we brought our intern with us and he's in his, you know, he, he dressed up really nice because he had a presentation at school later in the day. And, oh. and, uh, and so, <laughs> so we're all, so we go and we're like, okay, well, maybe it's not so bad when you get going. We got probably about an eighth of the way up and said, no, it's definitely that bad. And it just got worse and worse. And there's actually one spot in the road that completely fell off straight to, to nothing. Oh, wow. So we, you know, we, we get to the top finally and we are, uh, we're, we're, we're resting and, and contemplating the, looking at the view. And we, we realize that there's a, another path on the other side that we could have come up the other side of the mountain. Oh. So, <laughs> so that was hilarious. But we, you know, we ended up not, not doing it there. Imagine taking your equipment up there. Yeah, exactly. And then without giving too much away for the next one, Ryan and I were, we filmed this in the snow. And <laughs> oh man, do you, do you want to tell them about that experience? Um, we had an unexpected visitor on the shoot, um, and it was a two ton moose. Oh, wow. oh my goodness, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you can use your imagination without. I don't want to get give away too many details, but uh, got a little hairy there for a second. So you could have had a funny moose YouTube video. You could have, yeah. <laughs> Film yeah, crew gets attacked by moose. Film crew yeah. gets attacked by moose. Three lost, but makes great footage. That's that's exactly the title. Yeah. <laughs> we are on fire today. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, it's we are. You know, we're still going, and we're we're working hard on a lot of these videos. But we, you know, we have a really good time all day because some of the stuff that we do is super serious and you're thinking about the future and like what you know I, I like to make things somewhat based in reality so well you'll besides the next video you'll which you'll see soon but for the most part i like making up if this concept was real like how could this how could we portray this in real life or what would be the rules of physics behind it yeah. um but on the other you know as we're doing that that can get really serious so we like to keep it really light and um you know, joke around with one another. Ryan is one of the the most cynical people on the face of the earth. So we like to uh, <laughs> we like well, the face to... of the earth is extreme, but oh yeah. man, after my own heart. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you know we have a we have a really good time doing it, and um, we're hoping to, ca to capture mo most more of those moments on film for like behind the scenes and whatnot. Yeah, and we were just saying on that that same shoot, like I remember turning to Gabe and saying, "How great is this that that we get to be here doing this right now for our job?" You know, and um, it's just yeah, when you have one of those moments and you love what you do, I think like creating good contents gets a lot easier at that point. I mean, obviously, Gabe, we hit those like he was on a four day binge of editing the other day, but there are those sweet moments also. Yeah, I can only imagine the moose would have been pretty terrifying. I mean, we got charged by an elk one time, and that was pretty scary. Did you <laughs> yeah, not filming, so we didn't have any. Of course, issues. you never have the camera when it actually happens, right? No, no. Well, we were mostly running like hell back to our car, so, <laughs> so I don't think there would have been any real good footage. Consequently, it was, it was up on a hill for a moment, and then it got closer. And, and we closer. didn't realize how were quick it was making, getting there. Were you making goat noises that the <laughs> elk could have? <laughs> no, but from elk mating noises. No, but I will say that if anyone else decides to go on one of these nature things and there's wildlife and there are signs that say, please stay in your car, you might want to do that. 
<laughs> we weren't the only one, so there was like a scatter of people screaming and running towards their vehicles. It was it was kind of funny. It's kind of funny. It reminds me, we interviewed a uh, Webster's career not too long ago who's a, who's British, but he was working in the oh. U.S. for this project. And he goes, you know, it was really hard for me to get used to. He was in he was he was filming in California. in California. And he goes, it was really uh, kind of scary for me because, you know, and we've killed like everything off that could kill us. He said, but... there's nothing in England that can kill you. That's <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you got bears, you got earthquakes, you got, you know, fires. Venomous snakes and poisonous spiders. and They just have soccer hooligans. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because we were That's talking. Wild soccer hooligans. <laughs> Now, I would take my chances with, like, a rattlesnake any day over soccer fans. <laughs> yes, as would I. I, I mean, those, those people are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. My little brother is, is one of the biggest. Uh, he's actually a, a really, really good soccer player, but he would, he would kick me if you heard me say that. <laughs> Full of compliments today, Gabe. I like it. Yeah. It's a new game. It's a very new game. I know. Has he I'm been usually the slave, the slave driver. I just, no, no fun ever. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Well, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they could find Forge Apollo and any other projects you would like to talk about? Yes, yeah, shameless plug time. Let us know anything you want us to know about. Hit it, Gabe. All right, well, if we're doing shameless plugs, <laughs> you, you can find uh, our show directly on YouTube at youtube.com slash Forge Apollo. Or you can go to our website, ForgeApollo.com. There's a trend there. I don't know if you caught on to that. Or our Twitter <laughs> feed, at ForgeApollo. Uh, but you can also check out other work that I've done in the past at Gabe-Michael.com. Or follow me on Twitter, at GabeMichael. And that's G-A-B-E. All right. Well, you all have a really great right, evening. Well, thank you, guys. So, Well, thank you guys so much. This was, this was a, a blast. I had a good time doing this. Really nice meeting you guys. Hi, I'm Blake Calhoun, the creator of the web series Pink and the sci-fi web series Continuum, and you're listening to Genretainment Radio. Thanks to Michael and Holloway for speaking with us, and we wish them luck with the new channel. Next up is our Defiance interview, which I have to say I really enjoyed the first episode. Mm -hmm. Not only is it a cool transmedia project with both the TV show and the video game launching at the same time, but the pilot was Sci-Fi Channel's most watched scripted series premiere among adults 18 to 49 since 2006 when Eureka premiered. Yeah, I thought it was good. I, I personally will never get into the video game, but I thought the show was really good. Mm -hmm. So um, I think my favorite character is actually the Doctor. <laughs> good human. <laughs> she was good before that line, but I just love her. <laughs> so anyway, it's a good show. So I would encourage... We would both encourage everyone to check it out. Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah. Now let's get started with their interview with the stars of Defiance. This world has no natives, which means it belongs to everyone. She's some sort of bounty. She's my daughter. We're just two people passing through. Marching to your scaffold and string him up on high. Is this St. Louis? Now we call it defiance. Hi, Grant and Stephanie. Uh, thanks for speaking with us today. Hey. Thank you. 
I was wondering, if you had to explain your characters in one word, what word would it be and why? Stephanie? Oh, well, my one word would be um, feral. I think that sums uh. Larissa up. Yeah. Um, and why? I guess uh, the Erastians, that sums the Erastians up um, also, and they're, they're kind of, uh, you never know how they're going to react. Um, and uh, they're creatures of the land. They're kind of, um, yeah, fierce kind of creatures. But at the same time, she's been brought up by Nolan, so he's, He's grounded her in a very kind of different way. And so um, I don't know that grounded is actually a good word for Arissa, but yeah, feral. So there we go. There's my word. <laughs> nice word. I'm going to call you feral from now on. <laughs> um, and now I have an excuse. Um, for me, funnily enough, it would be defiant. Um, oh. and, and it's always been a little ironic to me. Uh, He's, um, you know, the character is meant to be one of the defiant few who, uh, who, what, who the town and every other thing on the face of the planet apparently is named after. Um, and, uh, you know, he begins the series by, you know, uh, defying Varys and stealing the gem. And uh, we defy the spirit riders and handing it over. Then we wander into defiance and defy their laws and... Uh, uh, he gets, he defies the Earth Republic. Uh, he, he, basically, if you've got authority, uh, thank you. That gives him something to defy. <laughs> and uh, that's just the character. He's he is so mistrustful of, um, of of authority and social structures that he's just looking for something to oppose, if you like, um, and absolutely determined to be self-determining great great he goes against the t he goes against the town he goes against the mayor he goes against uh he has a sense of right and wrong it's cut and dried and black and white and it's one of the things i like about him the most and uh he uh yeah he just won't shift from his own true north uh i i i think the thing that first attracted me to the script was um the fact that it wasn't kind of just this apocalypse story with aliens kind of fighting each other. It was kind of a real human drama to the piece, and um, it felt uh, like there was real heart to it, and um, the characters had stuff that people could relate to, I guess, even though they were these aliens with prosthetics on their heads. So um, I think that's what really attracted me to it, that there was real drama to it, and... Um, and those were always kind of my favourite scenes to play, like the scenes with Grant in the car and, uh, you know, stuff with um, Tommy so um, and the other Arathians. They were, you know, there was some really nice stuff there. So um, that's what, yeah, initially, um, yeah, got me really into the script. And, um, and, and, yeah, so I think that's what's continued to kind of throughout the series, you know, maintain that. And um, so, of course, Arissa loves getting her knives out and, <laughs> and and all of that stuff, but but equally there's a lot there's a lot of layers to it which which I love. Um, yeah, for me it was uh, all the way from its inception. Um, the first thing that attracted me was the. It's funny because I'm I, like I'm kind of very well known, let's just say, uh, amongst my representatives to not be terribly interested in receiving sci-fi scripts. And the first time that the script went across uh, my agent's desk, she didn't send it to me because she thought I'd get angry at her. Um, 
but uh, the casting agents um, asked me about a month later. They said, you know, why didn't you respond to that script? You know, we sent it to you deliberately because we thought you'd love it. And defiance is, uh, is, is different than anything I've ever read. And I guess that's the key. Uh, ultimately, as an actor and as a storyteller, you, you're looking for a story that hasn't been told. And 99 out of 100 t- pilots that you receive, uh, you've seen it before. You know, 99 uh, novels, 99 movies uh, out of 100 you've, you've, you've read or you've seen before. And Defiance w- was a world uh, that I hadn't seen before. It was a genre that I hadn't exactly seen before. And the dynamics in terms of the characters, you know, this kind of, uh, you know, um, grizzled kind of scavenger and an alien adopted stepdaughter, um, you know, all of these, the, the setup of the Capulets and the Montagues with the Tars and the Macaulays, um, with a Lady Macbethness of, uh, you know, of um, Daytax Misses, you know, the, the Romeo and Juliet story, they're, they're fantastic dynamics that were set up uh, right at the beginning. And that was what kind of grabbed me, was the, a, a world I hadn't seen before, a story I hadn't seen before, and these incredibly kind of strong, epic Shakespearean dynamics. Mm. You know, it's it's interesting. I think there are... There, it, it, people look for quick labels, and uh, Sci-Fi Western is a really, really quick, uh, you know, one-line soundbite. It's not really. Um, you could probably almost describe the social structure as Western, the world as sci-fi, and get away with that. But the themes of the show are, uh, are Shakespearean, and the nature of the show is an immigrant drama. So that's what I mean when I say I haven't seen the story before. I, it's uh, the, the, this genre hasn't existed before. So you know, people are going to want to uh, throw a, uh, throw a name on it so that they can communicate the idea of it. Um, yeah, you know, and I'm probably in you know two to five years' time they'll be going. It's a cross between, you know, defiance and flash dance. Yeah, I uh, I have half a prosthetic, so that was kind of the first challenge for me, I guess. I've never had uh, a prosthetic uh, like that at all. So yeah, that was um, the first hurdle, I guess. Um, and uh, and in in shooting the first episode, I think it was we were thrown completely into the deep end. I mean, it was um, the first. Uh, scene of the day was this scene where um, yeah, Nolan and I are arguing and um, it's quite an emotional scene and uh, the weather was against us, it was freezing cold, it started to snow it felt like a big mess actually <laughs> uh, so yeah it was it was kind of, I remember just looking at Kevin Murphy going, oh my god oh my god um, so yeah it was yeah, we're really thrown into the deep end um, but kind of thankful for that really because um yeah it made everything feel a little easier as we went along so um yeah we were in the middle of a quarry it was kind of uh, out in uxbridge um in toronto so yeah it was uh yeah quite an epic first day um but yeah a good challenge yeah i second that the fact that uh they were so exacting on our um wardrobe um, and the wardrobe design is, is just stunning on this defiance. But the, the result of all of these arguments and conversations in creating the, this wardrobe meant that uh, our gear, I know my jacket and I'm certain Stephanie's stuff uh, were finished, like finished, being made um, in Toronto at about 5 o'clock a.m. the morning we were shooting. We were on a 5 a.m. call so we were through makeup, dressed, wardro- uh, and and rehearsing before the wardrobe arrived. Um, 
and uh, and and as a result of that, nobody thought about the the sudden shift in the weather overnight. So <laughs> there's a whole sequence of stuff where uh, Steph and I are meant to be cold and miserable in the Badlands, especially the stuff where we're running from the uh, spirit riders and uh, have a little confrontation with the um, with the crazy alien timber wolves and. Um, and and there was no acting in that any of that those scenes. We didn't have <laughs> so to. It was, it was we were soaking wet and it was snowing, so we were freezing <laughs> to death. And that was kind of good, you know. Steph talks about the madness of it. It's absolutely right. But you know, it's going to be mad. You know, you're jumping mm-hmm. into a new world all of a sudden, and uh, it's going to be nuts. Uh, in terms of acting challenges for me, um, it's it's really. You're playing a role that is an archetype. Um, you know that anti-hero um, is an archetype now, and there's uh, there's been so many great ones. So for me, the whole challenge is is uh, if you like updating and rebooting an archetype and trying to figure out what 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 a what new can be done. How 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 can I tell this you know the story of this uh, archetype in a different way that I haven't seen before that I'd love to have uh, that I'd love to watch and and also um the other aspect of updating is is what's changed you know like um you know you look at say an archetype of dirty harry now that character then everything harry does is incredibly shocking and uh you know there were whole articles and theses written about um harry callahan's psychology but if you look at harry callahan today and measure it against denzel washington's character in man on fire callahan's tame because society's changed and our social mores have changed so Every time we reinvent a story, every time we reinvent an archetype, it's interesting to look at, okay, what's different? How do I update this archetype, this character, to move into 2013 and hopefully hold um, for as long as possible so that it stays relevant and doesn't date? That would be mine. Mm. Great. Now, I got to tour the sets when we did the press tour, uh, but I haven't seen the pilot yet, so hopefully this is going to be relevant for your characters. Um, now, Defiance has a number of Ellen languages created by David... Uh, Jay Peterson, I had a chance to interview a couple months ago. Uh, How much of the alien languages do your characters ever have to speak, and was it a challenge to do so? Um, Steph? Yeah, I mean, uh, quite quite a lot, really. Uh, I... uh, most of my Arathian stuff was obviously with the other Arathians. It's a fir- Arissa suddenly kind of finds her tongue with it once she um, uh, gets introduced to Sukar and some other uh, Arathians through the series. Um, when she's with Nolan, obviously, uh, you know she she hasn't been brought up speaking Arathian. She's she's been brought up by Nolan, and they've um, her, her left her roots behind, really. Um, but. Uh, yeah, once she starts speaking with them, I think that's when she starts, you know, kind of feeling as to who she is again and, and kind of figuring out her her past and who she is. But, um, mm. yeah, learning the languages is incredible. And um, I feel like it's become my second, well, it will become my second language. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, it's, yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. So you had a double challenge. You didn't just learn an alien language, you had to learn it with a bad accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, of course, Steph had to. I mean, Stephanie's. You know, she's uh, speaking of accents. She's already, uh, you know, uh, working in dialect when she works uh, as American, and then uh, doing the Alien on top is a double whammy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for me, I see Stephanie has the problem of having to speak something like a natural. Um, 
and David's amazing, by the way. We have to give an a shout-out to David. You know, Definitely. he had to create a language for Game of Thrones, and he did it beautifully. And then we came along and said, seven, we have seven, <laughs> and they all need to be different. And so far, he's fully created four, I think, and has two partial, and we're working on the last. That's a, an incredible effort for anybody, especially if all seven exist within the same world, because you have to differentiate them from each other. Mm -hmm. So uh, David is just one out of the box. We love him. Um, for me, my character has to speak all of them, uh, which sucks. Uh, that was a surprise <laughs> to me. I didn't. Yeah, that was really. I didn't think about that when I took the job on. Uh, I just knew I'd dodge the uh, prosthetics and the wigs and the makeup. I thought I'd, I was really, really clever. But um, both Nolan and Amanda, you know, uh, those characters are assumed to have a, a rudimentary grasp of all of them. What I did um, right away as soon as I got David's first MP3s and scripts was to say, my character speaks them more badly. <laughs> uh, and I kind of built it into character that, like, he just through that kind of natural, yeah, whatever, I'm not going to, you know, cater to you. He doesn't really bother getting them too right, like, you know, in terms of, um, you know, you, you want to speak polite French in Paris. Nolan's the kind of guy who'll go in and go in and go, you know, um, you know, uh, une cafe pour vous, <laughs> you know, that, that's just, just the guy he is, and he'll probably do it deliberately just to see if they're going to bite, you know. So, um, so uh, yeah, for me, it's, you know, it's all of them, but badly. For Steph, it's one, but beautifully, and she does... Sometimes uh, entire scenes where every character in the scene is speaking Arathian, and they're beautiful scenes to watch. Mm, they are. They were good fun, actually. Yeah. Although I remember you having chunks of dialogue. I remember at the very beginning, I didn't have very much Arathian, and I remember looking at the script and going and going, ah ha, ah Grant, you you've got you all this dialogue. Yeah, you were. <laughs> I was like, look at you, going, oh, all this stuff. Yeah. And then suddenly, as the episode went on, I was like, I, I can't go for dinner tonight, guys. I've got to learn all this Arabian. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. Karma, um, baby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for speaking with me today, and good luck with the series. I look forward to seeing how season one unfolds. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm John Rogers. I created the show Leverage and wrote Transformers, and you're listening to Genretainment. Okay, well, thank you to Grant and Stephanie for taking the time to speak with us, and we look forward to more episodes of Defiance and hopefully a long run for the series. So that's it for today's Genretainment. Check back next week with all new guests from our favorite films, TV shows, novels, and web series. Next week, we speak with Robert Grant, the author of the new book, Writing the Science Fiction Film. And if you've ever wanted to write for sci-fi or just love hearing us chat about our favorite sci-fi shows and movies, then you must check it out. And don't forget, you can always check out all of our past episodes of Genretainment and the archives at scifipulseradio.com. You can also check out the other great shows on this channel like SFP Now, The Roundtable, and more. And please share, like, and comment on our episodes to show us you want more episodes. A big thanks from us to all of you out there for listening to us. Until, Until next, next time. time.